0: Hey, taste buds. There's never a time when it's not appropriate to be safe on the roads. This quick word from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. If you are ever stopped at a railway crossing and the signals are flashing and you don't see the train or it looks like it's moving slow and you're thinking to yourself, Maybe I'm going to get across the tracks before the train comes. Think about this. And it's not good. In 2018 alone, 270 people were killed at railroad crossings. 270. You should stop because trains can't. My culinary comrades my hungry homies we've done it we're back house of carbs is here the food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people i am your hungry host joe house it is one of my favorite times of the year some of these lists are coming out with restaurants that help us sort of think about the food that's not in our hometown It's the the travel season, the summer travel season's kind of approaching. Like, maybe I'm going to go visit this great place or that great place. And here is a list. GQ Magazine, their best new restaurants in America, 2019. Our old pal, Brett Martin, comes on to help us walk through his crisscrossing of these great United States and the belly tour he went on. Of course, our James Beard-nominated Danny Chow is on. best thing I ate this week he celebrated the onset of the NBA playoffs with an incredible slice of pizza that is much 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 more involved than just a slice of pizza in fact let's just get in that belly with Danny and hear about this thing All right, my taste buds, as is our way here on House of Carbs, joined right now for best thing I ate this week with the Ringer food correspondent and James Beard nominated award (laughs) pending award winner. That's the way I'm going to say it for uh, food travel in writing last year, 2018, Danny Chow. Hi, buddy. Hello, I'm here. How's it going? How much, did I, how much of that did I get right? Did I get all of it right? Some of it right? Yeah, I, I, you got all of it right, I would say. Uh, so uh, I said immediately before we started taping that I wasn't going to ask you any of the questions that I have for you because I want all of the Hungry Homies to get the answers in real time as I ask these questions. I know that you have a trip to New York uh, in the offing. I think you leave... Uh, this we're, we're taping this on a Tuesday I think you're leaving Wednesday Is mm-hmm. this for the actual James Beard Award dinner? Yes, sir And you don't know yet whether or not you've won, right?
1: Yeah, no I think it's it's all announced uh, on Friday
0: Okay So, uh, how are you feeling? Oh, I feel
1: great I actually had a dream about it the other day uh, Basically, uh,
0: I didn't win <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that that's your your subconscious preparing you for for all possibilities. Now I know you. I know what you do when you have the opportunity in an incredible food city like New York. This is going to be a win for you, a capital W win for you. No matter w- what happens, right? Do you have the itinerary, your eating itinerary for New York, uh, laid out already?
1: I have a few spots that I know I'm going to be eating at because they uh, are kind of involved with certain story ideas that I've been batting around. So I'm definitely going to be doing some, you know, ambient reporting, uh, trying out these spots and and kind of getting a better feel for for the subjects that I'm planning on writing about in the future. So I don't really want to spoil too much of that. But uh, yeah, I I do have a few uh, spots lined up. But I'm also, okay, you know, good. leaving leaving some some time open to kind of get lost in in the city. I feel I feel like that's a an important uh, experience to have in New York.
0: Uh, I agree, and, and the the uh, you know New York food scene remains as incredible and robust as as it ever was. We were lucky enough to have Serena Die from Eater.com come on because she honchoed an incredibly comprehensive. Uh, overview of the Chinese food renaissance in New York City. Speaking of, you know, uh, letting yourself get lost, you could easily spend two weeks eating nothing but you know the various cuisines available in New York City of of, of Chinese food. Yeah. Maybe not encounter any English speaking folks whatsoever, um, akin to the experience that you kind of described to me that was uh, possible in the San Gabriel Valley. Yeah. Uh, where, where you live, right?
1: I, I mean th- that, yeah, that, that package that they put together was just fantastic. It, it was such a good resource for people who, you know, may not know exactly where to venture when you're heading out to, you know, the, the far ends of, of Queens, you know, in, in Flushing and Elmhurst and all of those, you know, wonderful little communities that house so many, you know, different pockets of Asian culture out there, um, yeah, I, I I've been bookmarking all of those all of those links and I've been I've been putting a lot of those restaurants in my notes. Uh, I really can't wait. I, I don't think it's gonna happen on this trip, but definitely in a future trip for sure.
0: Yeah, so I as is my way, you know me. Um I insist on being invited to at least a portion whenever that trip mm-hmm. happens. And Serena's already volunteered to to help uh uh, you know, be a guide on a, a bit of a dumpling tour. So, oh, yeah, at a minimum, I think we have to take her up on that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, there, there are some yeah. great spots in Flushing that
1: I, I, I believe I did a dumpling crawl the last time or the first time I was there, uh, in
0: 2015, I believe. Uh, okay. Yeah, that so, was that was really uh, good. You, you already have an orientation for this a little bit. Um, let's talk about. Now we're not going to. I'm going to honor your request to not spoil what you have in mind for your eating tour in in New York City coming up. Um, let's talk about what you've been eating over the past couple of weeks because it's been a little while since we were together.
1: Yeah. So the thing that I want to talk about is something I actually ate a day before the playoffs started, and I haven't really been able to stop thinking about it. Uh, oh wow! I, I had a slice of pizza at. Apollonia's Pizza in Los Angeles on Wilshire, uh, and it is a Detroit influenced, inspired slice of pizza. Uh, for the uninitiated, Detroit style pizza it is a square pie, uh, very very similar to a Sicilian uh, style pie. Um, it's cooked or it's baked in a kind of deeper steel pan, and so it actually rises up a little bit higher than a normal grandma slice that you would get uh, in New York. It's a lot airier, it's crispier and the sauce is actually put on top of the ingredients instead of uh, as the, the foundation for the ingredients. And I guess the most iconic kind of symbol of this pizza, or the iconic imagery is that uh, the cheese actually flows all the way to the edges. And so it, when it hits the the pan, the heat allows that cheese to kind of crisp the sides. And so the sides get all this like crispy, cheesy goodness on the sides. It's it's really a, a beautiful
0: work of art. I saw the picture. I know exactly the picture on your Instagram at Danny King Chow. And I took note of it. I didn't realize... It was Detroit. I thought it was an LA version of a grandma slice, just, mm-hmm. just as you, uh, you. But you just distinguished it properly. You know, I can't help myself. I'm always fascinated by kind of the science of it. So, what's your understanding of how they're able to pull off um, something that that isn't dense? Because this is always the concern I have. With a thicker slice uh, that that you you might get, um, you know the grandma slice is pretty dense. Deep dish pizza is impossibly dense, so dense mm-hmm. that people uh, some purists don't want to call that pizza. Um, how do you? What's your understanding of of how it is that they're able to produce this in a in a deep pan, but but keep the airiness and keep the crispiness of the of the bottom? Right. I think they. I think the, the basis
1: of a Detroit style pizza, the the dough itself is very much uh, influenced by just uh, basically a focaccia dough, which, which tends to have a little bit more of that airiness that you get. Uh, you know, if you've ever seen like uh, an unbaked focaccia dough that's just stretched out onto a metal pan, you see all of those air bubbles. And um, I think that allows for a lot of that kind of... Um, that density to kind of like rise I, I'm 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 I don't really have the terms for it but like you know I <laughs> um it it's very much inspired by that
0: uh style of bread um yeah 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 and, and and I'm not asking for the uh actual um scientific explanation but but I think that you know you likening it to the focaccia ma- makes a lot of sense. So that does really confer a um, a sense of the lightness. What toppings did you have on this slice? Because it it looked it was it was a bounty from the picture.
1: Yeah, it, I believe it was just um, pepperoni. Uh, you know, a few really really good uh, slices of pepperoni. Um, few like slivers of basil. Uh, there was obviously cheese on there, and the sauce was just directly on top. So it, it was kind of a, I mean, it was a very handsome slice, I would have to say. I um, it was
0: it was very handsome in the in the, in the picture. Um, do they 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 use a regular um pizza mozzarella for the for the cheese? I believe so, but like, there's something special about the way
1: that Apollonia's um displays their their kind of cheese so like I, as i said uh with detroit style the cheese kind of overflows and and gets onto the edges of of each you know of the corners and and along the sides and you get this like nice crispy cheesy portion right at the edge of the crust but where apollonia's kind of separates itself is it takes what looks like a a It almost looks like a cheese crown on the outside. So it gets these, like, raised ridges that go up even higher than normal for, like, a normal Detroit-style pie that you might find, you know, in Detroit, actually. Um, And, it, you know, it looks like, you know, a a Frico. It it looks like, um, you know, when you kind of heat up cheese to the point where it gets crispy, you know, this Parmesan crisps or whatever— but it's just along the sides, like like a king's crown or something. It's really beautiful. Okay,
0: yeah. And and what about the sauce? What's the flavor profile? I mean, it's
1: just it's a good old tomato, crushed tomato sauce.
0: Oh, okay, so nothing, yeah. not like a spicy, not an arrabiata or uh, nah, anything I, I along would, those I would lines. say a
1: lot of the spice comes from the pepperoni. Um, yeah, but, well, that, that makes yeah. sense. Now, is they,
0: this a thick cut pepperoni, a thin slice? How how do they do it? Uh, it's pre-
1: It's pretty thin. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those kind of miniature, um, miniature in diameter pepperonis. So they're they're kind of small. They're kind of speckled across. It's, it, it would be the diameter of you know cherry tomato. Uh, and so they're the ones that kind of curl up uh, on the sides. Oh, I love those. Yeah, I love those. Um, kind of retains a little bit of that that essential oil in them. Um, yes. yeah. So exactly. it's, it, it was a very, very handsome, very Instagrammable, uh, slice. So I, re- I couldn't, I couldn't me, resist. I, I think
0: from the picture, you got a corner piece. Is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I is it was only corner pieces. Do they do four corner pieces or, or are there some middle pieces? I'm trying to think, but the piece was pretty huge. So I'm Yeah. Uh,
1: I That's think what it, caught my eye. I think it might only be four four slices, so there might be a little bit of corner for everyone. I could be wrong here. I'm I'm trying to remember because I walked in and I noticed. So this this slice of pizza at Apollonia's is only uh, available on Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. Uh, it's so it's a weekend only thing. It's off the menu, but when you walk in, if they have it, you'll know because it's right by it's right by the counter, um, mm. and. I looked over and there weren't like there were just a bunch of uh, Detroit style pies just sitting out. And I was like, oh, this is my lucky day. I, I basically got, you know, my pick of whichever slice I wanted.
0: It does feel like if you're going to do this, it needs to be a corner piece. And yeah. so if if by design it's for maximize you know, the edges cut it exactly so that everybody yep. gets a corner, that would be the judicious and, and, and democratic way of, of delivering this delicious slice people, um, hold Los Angeles as, uh, an inferior destination for pizza. And it's been fighting that, uh, does this place, uh, help, you know, uh, true up the, the, the pizza reputation in Los Angeles, would you say?
1: Absolutely. I I think, I mean, I've written about this, uh, recently, a few months ago, I wrote about how LA is kind of changing its perception, uh, with pizza. and it's across a variety of different styles. Um, there's a fantastic Neapolitan uh, pizza joint or not really a pizza joint. It's more of a pizza pop-up that pops up at a wine bar in Hollywood, uh, actually the Thai town area of Hollywood um, every Thursday called Lamora. It's one of my favorite uh, pizzas in the city. Uh, I love this place called Hail Mary Pizza in Atwater Village. I wrote, a, I wrote specifically about those two restaurants and how they have kind of um, lifted the pizza game uh, in recent, recent years, recent months. Um, but yeah, LA's, L.A.'s pizza boom has kind of reached a fever pitch in the past few months. And Apollonia's Detroit-inspired slice is definitely a part of that.
0: Yeah, I, I, had, uh, I was lucky enough in, when I was out in February— uh, to have some pizza at John and Vinny's. And it did harken back to some East Coast. It was a thin crust, uh, some thin crust um, square uh, style pizzas that I've um, been lucky enough to have in, in, in Maryland. There's a restaurant chain here called Lido's Pizza. Um, that is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a thinner um, in a pan kind mm-hmm. of kind of pizza. Um, where the dough is, it's kind of chewy. You don't, it's not cooked uh, in a manner that gets it super crispy. You can ask for it well done if that's your thing, but I like it chewy. Has kind of a sweeter sauce, and then I love my personal preference for the Lido's pizza. You can get pre-cooked bacon with jalapeno <laughs> and, and cheese, and that like the crunchy pre-cooked bacon with jalapeno. Oh my god! Fantastic. I mean, come on, what are we doing here? Yeah, um, but that the John and Vinny's pizza was pretty damn good.
1: Yeah, I, I think one thing that I really love about Detroit style pizza is it, it it reminds me of a childhood that I I I had but kind of didn't have. Like I I don't really know how to explain this, but the first time I had or the first time I encountered Detroit style pizza was uh, in Austin. Uh, there's a lovely franchise now called Via Three One Three. Uh, where two dudes from uh, the Detroit, Michigan area kind of went down, to, went down to Austin, opened up their spot, and it was like a trailer on Rainy Street. So, you know, a bunch of different bars. Once you're proper and drunk, you head over to this uh, pizza trailer, you get your pizza. My first bite, I was just smitten. It was like the best, and I mean this with like all all due respect, it tasted like the best version of a Pizza Hut pizza. I'd ever had. Yeah. And so I was just like, sure, this is exactly what, you know, a childhood, you know, a childhood Danny would, would want to eat. And I was just like, okay, yeah, this is, this is the type of pizza for me.
0: Yeah. Nostalgia pizza has a place like bring it back. That's absolutely the way that our, 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 uh, our palates, our taste buds, you know, want that you, you've written about, you know, kind of the, the nostalgia effect on, on uh, a variety of different foods. Um, I, I want to end this uh, chat with with something that's going to sound like a challenge, but it's not really a challenge. It's it's really a, a, a celebration. I'm coming out in ten days. I didn't know if you. I don't know. Not sure if you know that or not. Oh yeah, Los you Angeles, told me. To Los Angeles, California, yep. and one of the things that I have requested on this trip. It's I'm going to be out three or four days. One of the things I requested is that you and I have a meal together, some kind of, and it doesn't have to be like a full sit-down multi-course thing, but we're going to share some food together. We're both going to experience the best thing I eat that week. We're going to do it live in person together, and we'll capture it you know, in in all of the formats, all of the multimedia formats that The Ringer uh, can provide us. And the purpose of this is going to be, Twofold. In the first place, we're going to celebrate because no matter what happens Friday night, I want to be with you. I want to toast you for the terrific achievement of just being nominated for this award. So we're going to do that. But I also have a milestone birthday coming up. And, and part of my request for this uh, birthday celebration out in Los Angeles is that you and I uh, have some kind of delicious bite. So So you start thinking right now. About okay. what what bite you and I ought to have together on this trip in in ten days, and uh, I wish you nothing but uh, the very best on your New York trip coming up in a couple of days. Here,
1: thank you. I mean, it would be an
0: honor, of course. Let's do it. <laughs> I and and look, there's nothing that I won't eat. So you you as okay. as exotic as you want to take right. it, uh, as hot as you want to make it, I, I'm there for you. I'm I trust the chow palate. Fantastic. Yeah, looking forward to it. big thanks to Danny. We wish him the best of luck. Hopefully the next time we're convened here, we're talking about James Beard Award winning Danny Chow, but no matter what happens, he is beloved on this podcast. A quick word before we get to Brett Martin from Everlane. Would you buy a t-shirt for 50 bucks if you knew it only cost $7 to make? We wouldn't. With Everlane, you never overpay for quality clothes. Everlane makes premium essentials using only the finest materials without traditional markups because Everlane sells directly to you. Their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers. And since they want you to know what you're paying for and why, they tell you their real costs and their Radically transparent about every step in their process, from the materials they use to the ethical factories they work with. Everlane's clothes look better, cost less, and last longer. Essentials like their Cotton Crew t shirt are exactly what they should be simple, stylish, and high quality. I would also like to, to, to testify that they are enormously comfortable. I have the cotton v-neck t-shirt and I also picked up from them, again, incredibly affordable, a pair of the chinos These chinos are super lightweight. As the summer season approaches, I went with my stone color. I have the white t-shirt, the stone chinos, and a nice pair of white sneakers. Dad mode is in full effect, mother effers. I'm telling you, this Everlane stuff, crazy comfortable. Right now, you can check out our personalized collection at everlane.com slash Carbs, plus you get free shipping on your first order. That's everlane.com slash carbs. Everlane, E V E R L A N E.com slash carbs. Also, a quick word from Universal Studios Orlando. Why are we talking about Universal Studios? Well, because you're going to go there and you're going to get hungry. And when you get hungry, I'm going to tell you where to go eat. House of Carbs today presented by Universal Orlando Resort, where you're going to find more than just world-class thrill rides and roller coasters. You'll also experience jaw-dropping, mouth-watering, swipe-worthy foods. And this summer, they have two brand-new dining experiences. You can start off vacation with... The Today Cafe, which is located at Universal Studios, Florida. This is a quick-service, super high-quality food offering that covers a lot of different tastes, but very... Satisfying and fortifying right out of the box as you get going on your Universal Studios tour. You can sip handcrafted cappuccinos, espressos, and more while indulging in pastries that are made fresh on-site daily. The pastry case is incredible. You're transported by the cafe's look and feel to Studio 1A in New York City the home of the Today Show. So you come back for lunch, you try fresh seasonal dishes inspired by a Today Show personality. And for dinner, uh, they have this great big new restaurant called Big Fire at Universal City Walk featuring a custom wood-fired grill where the chefs are preparing signature dishes inspired by the style of open-fire cooking. It is Just the flavor that you want in your mouth as the summer comes on. You're cooking out on the grill, my hungry homies. The chefs are carefully matching each food with a wood species that have been chosen based on the flavor they exude, resulting in delectable dishes, sides, desserts, and cocktails. Check out Universal Orlando Resort's complete food guides on their blog and visit www.universalorlando.com to start planning your vacation today. All right, my taste buds, our guest today, an old friend of ours, he spent the past three months eating high, eating low, searching for the most delicious restaurants in these United States. You may think of him as a true belly sourcing zealot. He's a correspondent and the head food critic at GQ magazine, Brett Martin. Welcome back, my dude. Thank you. Good to be here again. So, we are here convened once again on the occasion of your publishing in GQ Magazine, The Best New Restaurants in America 2019. And the, I should clarify, it's not just the magazine, it's also GQ.com. You can get uh, right. uh, versions of, of, of the story, as well as your uh, uh, breakdown of eight mind-blowing dishes new dishes that you tried this year um That's so right. let's be let's begin at the beginning you just spent three months traveling and eating I read the story I have to to confess I came away from it a little bit worried about you i I wondered <laughs> if you needed to go uh seek some psychological support and assistance
2: <laughs> yeah well you mean you were more worried about my mind than my uh, than my health, like my belly
0: health? I know all about your belly health. You're a food professional. I'm not worried about your your wherewithal to withstand the the uh, trials and tribulations of the travel and the eating and the multiple meals. I know you can handle that. But the story really captures this kind of schizophrenic moment. It feels like in American restaurant, uh, uh, eating and, and, and experiencing. And so I was worried about you coming home with a case of this, sch- uh, the schizophrenia. Uh,
2: I think you're right. You know, I did go a little crazy out there this year. Uh, and I did feel a little nuts a lot of the time and, and it's hard sometimes to tell what's, what's internal and what's external. But I, I do think that, well, I think the country's a little schizophrenic right, right now. And, and, you know, part of that, my, part of my point every year is that, um, you know, I go out. I'm looking for delicious things, and you know, I don't want people to think that the stories a drag because you know it's filled with good places to go and, and delicious things to eat. But I, but I do try to try to take it as as a as some kind of sign of where the country is at the same time. You know, it's sort of a state of the union. It's my chance to travel around, and um, you know, I think the I think I think restaurants are a little crazy right now, and they do. They have there's, there's on the one hand this this desire for um, for comfort and for you know escape from the craziness of the world, and and you know you see that in your know, fantastic state houses and you know places where you can kind of ignore everything going on, and then you've got these other restaurants that that um that that are explicitly about confrontation and politics and um and kind of intellectual stimulation, and and then there's others that are just wackadoodle nuts where you just feel like you're at the carnival all the time, and um and so yeah, I think
0: home a little adult you'll have to ask my family about that <laughs> well i i uh i'd like to begin in an unlikely place uh and you highlight this in, in the story let's let's tell the hungry homies about sort of the prism through which you experience these restaurants in this uh schizophrenic moment let's begin in the bathrooms if, if we may
2: <laughs> okay I, I tend to begin in the bathroom um yeah you know i was going to the bathroom one night in a restaurant about halfway through the day and i realized that every time i went to the bathroom i was being assaulted by by uh wallpaper um and by you know like literally sharks on the wallpaper and flowers and and flamingos and and you know uh album covers and and i you know i said it was like trying to pee while being surrounded by guys in hawaiian shirts um and, and it started to occur to me that that had become this, this sort of design manifestation of this craziness that I'm talking about. You know, it used to be you'd go to the bathroom and it would be a bare wall and you'd get a little candle, you know, and a little dried flower or something like that. And all of a sudden there was this kind of blurred, insane spaces um, that uh, that tipped me off to some extent to, to, to what I wound up seeing outside in the dining rooms also, which are, you know, there's plants everywhere. They're reaching out to grab you. And, and, and again, this kind of riotous wallpaper. And, and, you know, there used to be uh, just a couple of years ago, you'd go to a restaurant and, and it, was, it looked like they paid the contractor extra not to finish. You know, that was the look for a while. It's kind of yeah. very spare, uh, poured concrete and everything. And now you look like you, you know, I don't know what the, you know, you've, you've, you've shown up uh, inside some kind of hallucination. Um, and to me, that was part of the, you know, to me, it started to feel like that was a a, a, a reflection of the schizophrenia that you're talking about, this this, this kind of anxiety and surreality and kind of like rollercoaster ride that American life is.
0: So wh- why do you think uh, you having the benefit of crisscrossing the United States, plus a visit to, to Puerto Rico, which I'm very uh, excited to talk about with you, but what, what in terms yeah. of this this, um, this design concept that, that permeates both like the, the bathrooms and then spills out into the dining area where, um, you know, we're kind of being, you, you, you use the word circus. It's, we're kind of headed in that, in that direction. Why do you think it is that restaurateurs in wanting to deliver an experience to, to their, uh, the consuming public are sort of headed in that direction? What, what do you think restaurateurs are saying about their customers?
2: Uh, that they're adult and schizophrenic, um, I think. Because, <laughs> like, you know, some of this stuff is, is, is cyclical, right? You know, like, that's just the way things go. You know, minimalism goes uh, is followed by, you know, excess. Um, but I think, and I don't know how much of it's a conscious decision as much as it's a kind of cultural drift where, um, I, you know, I I think we all live in a, in a I think um, that in these last three years, that I think largely... Uh, informed by the the president of the United States, we live in a in a very surreal world in which you know uh, 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 no one really knows what 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 the truth is, and and uh, and every day feels a little bit like a circus, right? And so it's no surprise that um, the places we go every night start to reflect that.
0: Yeah. So the the story begins with uh a tale of two of of the restaurants that fit this continuum um that we've we've touched on here uh one is a is a steakhouse uh in in Houston Texas now I I, I do want to observe just quickly you you love Houston you love eating in Houston Texas Brett Martin right
2: I really do yeah I, I spent a lot of time in Houston this last year I, I did an entire Houston story um about Maybe six months ago, and uh, Houston has become for me um, one of the more interesting and exciting uh, cities in general, uh, but also food cities in, in America. So yeah, I, I do I do pay a lot of attention there.
0: So you 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 open up with this juxtaposition of a, a grand. Uh, I feel like it's okay to call it semi delusional. Uh, you know, possibly. <laughs> a uh, uh, hallucinogen hallucinogenic hallucination in, in, inducing uh steakhouse experience with a uh, you know an offering that's not on the menu called the baller board that comes out with giant uh, protein from all kinds of walks of, of of life and then up against that is uh, a restaurant in, in in informed by and infused by and uh, populated with, african uh themed food food that that derives from african food ways um where the the chef makes a point of you know um walking you through exactly what he has in mind in terms of that the presentation and the politics of, of of that food um why did you sort of start with that juxtaposition
2: yeah, well, they have been in two different nights. You know, within 24 hours, I had these two meals, and, and I mean, you've done a good job of explaining them. The, the first is as is a kind of tweaked up version of your perfect steakhouse. It's called Georgia James, the, the chef named Sh- Chris Shepard in, in in Houston, um, and he has has just kind of isolated everything you want about a steakhouse. It's boozy, it's, it's fatty, it's like you know, the testosterone white washing across the floor basically like you feel like you can measure the the price of a barrel of oil just like, by like looking at who's around you and um, and it to me it represents you know one end of that continuum that I was talking about which is which is what a restaurant has always been which is the place to kind of celebrate to to feel coddled and swaddled and fat right and um and then you know 24 hours later I'm a dark strip mall out in Perimeter of Houston, um, you know, I had an equally wonderful experience, but, but one that was completely different, one that was all about challenging my ideas about food, um, about, um, you know, thinking about how our food had gotten here. It's, it's, a, it's a chef uh, named Johnny Rose, and he he designs this very um, intense menu about um, African American food waste, as you say. And, and, you know, but also really funny. I mean, the addition I described was. The name of it was called the homogenization of bandingo, and uh, which is not you know the kind of thing you get at a steakhouse. And, no, no, uh, I
0: I, I haven't it, encountered that anywhere.
2: Um, and the story is you know about how um, slaves were demonized because uh, through uh, describing this sort of myth of giant black phalluses. and on the plate was uh, a little black sausage. Um, and you know, that to me is like, you know, the kind of dish that, um, you know, you, you measure that against the, the, you know, aged porterhouse the night before and you've got the whole sweep of, um, of what it's like to eat in America today.
0: Yeah. So setting aside the obvious dick jokes that I'm not going to make, yes. how was the sausage?
2: <laughs> um, it was very delicious. That's the thing. It's also good eating, to be honest with you. You So that's 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 you know a place like that you know has lots of value as as an art project as as a kind of intellectual thing. I should say that it's also a a pleasure to eat there, and it's just nurturing and and delicious. And everybody should go there. And and, sorry, that restaurant is called Indigo, and yes, um, people should go there.
0: So uh, one of the things that I observed from your travels this year, you um, seem to have been deliberate in. Hitting you—you you have to hit the giant major metropolises that have you know um, the, the food credentials for 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 ages, right? So you 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 checked off Chicago, you checked off Manhattan, you checked off Los Angeles, you checked off San Francisco. But I I was really intrigued to see. A handful of places that aren't necessarily well known on a kind of a national stage as being food destinations and i'm talking specifically of places like richmond virginia and providence rhode Mm -hmm. island providence has a reputation for 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 italian food but you had japanese food there miami doesn't isn't often thought of at least to me i don't you know as as like an incredible food city uh and then and then puerto rico can we um, please start with uh, Puerto Rico? Because I'm I'm yeah. really fascinated by what motivated you to to go um, head down there and and just sort of see what was going on.
2: Right. Um, well, uh, I mean, I think I think the first thing to say is that it was it, this what year in which it was extremely important to reaffirm um, the simple fact that Puerto Rico is part of the United States, and uh, which is something that uh, that is not. Uh, which is surprisingly contested um you know in the wake of their um the the hurricane that happened there and the, the the way that aid has flowed there so i felt like that was a a good excuse for me to go to puerto rico instead of minneapolis in february um and uh, well done well done well done as well um, yes. uh i spent a lot of this winter i was minus 23 in uh, madison wisconsin another city that i thought uh, that you might know that you might not usually think of as being on this tour, uh, and it was lovely in in Puerto Rico. But um, so I, so that was you know that was that was a very simple idea, which was you know we, we look at this whole country, and 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 part of it is this this island that has been through this terrible thing. And I had um, been hearing, you know, being somebody who I, I didn't live in New Orleans after, during um, Hurricane Katrina, but I'm familiar with the kind of energy that that fill the city after something like that. So I, I thought if I was ever going to go down there, this would be a good time to inaugurate that, um, to find um, what was kind of blooming in the aftermath of, of Hurricane Maria. And in fact, um, it was an extraordinary place. I mean, I was only in San Juan. I'd love to get back and explore the island a little more. Um, the restaurant that I put on the list is called Bionda, and it's a, a very uh, um, high-end, classically trained chef um uh, who worked up here went back home just before the storm. Managed to get this restaurant open, and it's it, terrific. But uh, it, one of the things we actually wound up cutting was a, was a, a section of of, um, of other places. It, it felt like that whole city was just exploding, and um, uh, you know all kinds of energy. And uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back as soon as I can.
0: So that that is an interesting. Kind of a uh, uh, construct here because you have the unique um, position of, you know, having these these food experiences in in places that have come back now at the you know, the 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 recurrence of these massive storms that are cr- crushing um, American cities and then the cities sort of building themselves back up and what's happening on the food scene. I was reminded when you were talking about Houston that we had Kristen yeah. I mean Chris Shepard and Justin Yu on last year after Harvey uh uh to talk about sort of the city's efforts to to you know get it, it its feet back under it and how quickly the food scene there because of of the um loyalty within the food community the the, the restaurant community there they were able to um, reestablish themselves, you know, pr- pretty quickly. Um, and here you you lead with with Chris Shepard and his grand steakhouse in 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 Houston, uh, and you're in New Orleans, so you're you're uh, you know perfectly attached to the post Katrina, you know, the way that, that foods de- developed there. So yeah, I guess in some ways you you are more credentialed than anyone else to have a view on uh, how Puerto Rico is kind of coming together. Food-wise, is there uh, maybe an upcoming um, piece of work from you on um, just the uh, Puerto Rico writ large and the food scene there?
2: Yeah, well, uh, yes. uh, That is part of why we held back some of, um, or at least part of the consolation for holding back from losing some of the stuff I was just describing is that I'd love to, I'm thinking of trying to go back. I, I didn't, you know, frankly, I didn't make that connection until you did. Um, that that houston of course had had its own storm and um so i'm 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 first um you know thinking about that theme now but you you know obviously it's it's correct um i i'm hoping to get back down there um and get outside of san juan a little bit and and paint a little bit something along the lines of that Houston story for the island as a whole and um uh so thank you I've, i've been a pet pet send this directly to my editor and have him write check. <laughs> my,
0: my, my pleasure. If I could just get a little executive producer credit, that's all I asked for. Very, very modest. Sure. Uh, um, I, am interested in, in this, tying
2: your financial fortunes to the magazine industry these days. That's the best. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be
0: fine. Well, we'll just keep talking about it. We'll just keep, you have to keep coming on and we'll just keep having these podcasts. It seems like maybe that's a way sure, sure. for us to try and make a living. Um, but can I just say one other? Before
2: I, I just to say this, the one other thing about me being in New Orleans is this. Just to go back to what you were saying about being outside of those big cities, to me that's part of the story of American food. Uh, since I've been doing this job, has been how decentralized it's become. How how these places that used to be. I mean, and frankly, it makes the job a lot harder, but a lot more fun to go to Indianapolis, to go to Madison, to go to the, you know the, the fact that you know for many of the same reasons that I left New York uh, after growing up there, um, chefs have left New York and, and, and there's an audience for great food everywhere. And, and if there's one big story about how America has, eats today, it's that you can eat well in places you would never have imagined eating well, you know, even five, six years ago.
0: So such an incredible segue. This is, you really have a, have a future in the podcasting business, my friend, because you, <laughs> you anticipated exactly what I, what I, it, it is this great democratization of food and the sort of rising tide elevation of food because uh the the american palate is is growing, you know, sophisticated by leaps and bounds cuz we with our own eyes, you know, what what the instagrams delivering to us uh, um but you know uh, the, the free flow of information it creates a pressure on um folks in in places small and large to try and and you know capture of a, a food eating experience that is rivaled by by the big cities and here we are in providence rhode island which you know previously had a reputation as kind of being a one-note new england town i i I think i'm getting that right with the the italian food being the main attraction and you write about a restaurant called big king which features uh a, a, a 100 uh japanese uh palate can can we talk about that
2: yeah, it's this tiny little restaurant. It's a, I'm sorry, the chef's name is, a, is alluding me right now, which I feel terrible about. But um, uh, a guy who runs a place called North that has been, that's been open several years. And, and this is a, a a really small little um, sushi bar looking place, uh, although they don't do sushi per se there. Um, and he's doing extremely um, faithful but, um, but interesting um, takes on Japanese food. You know, with, 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 with seafood and stuff from New England. Um, and uh, it's really lovely. It's a, it's a cool place. I had never actually been in Providence. This is my first time going to Providence. That's a weird little town. I really liked it a lot. Um, yeah. And uh, have you spent time there?
0: Just b- when, when I was in college in Worcester, Massachusetts, uh-huh. Providence with, with uh, Brown University, had a little bit of a kind of a music and food scene. And so we would go from Worcester up to Providence every so often. There was a, uh, a a music establishment there called The Rocket, where I could go see punk rock shows. Uh, and honestly, yeah. saw the, the the very best show I've ever seen in my entire life, which was Operation Ivy from San Francisco and Fugazi uh, from Washington, D.C. Yeah. on the on the same bill. And, you know, I've seen, you know, Two thousand shows in my life, probably music shows, and that's still number one on my list. That's the one. Wow. At, at the Rocket um, in Providence, Rhode Island.
2: Wow! Is it still is that still
0: open? I don't know. I I haven't had any reason to to, to check. I haven't been in Providence in a while.
2: Um, before I forget, the guy's name is James Mark, by the way. This chef, and he's and he's terrific. Uh, and he, you know, it's, it's a it's it's really cheap. You know, that's the other thing that's happened is these tasting menus have gotten dem- more democratic in that, you know, that we've got away from oh having to go spend a thousand dollars in place to, to do that. These are, I think it's a $45 and a $55 tasting menu written in a, handwritten in a little book. And, um, it's definitely worth going there. And afterwards you can go to, I've never heard of this thing called a New York system, which is the, which is Providence's version of a, of like a chili dog place.
0: Yes. I right. don't want to get into it,
2: but it's, it's, it's worth, <laughs> it's, it's worth checking out.
0: So, uh. I want to touch briefly on on um, the variety of cuisines because that continues to be, um, you know, it, I don't want to use the word tr- trend. Like the the accessibility of uh, you know different kinds of of cuisines from different traditions have been kind of mm. available here in the United States for a long time, um, and I, I have over the course of this podcast come to understand like. Us just sort of waking up to it um doesn't mean that they haven't been here all, all along. Uh, uh um Andy Ricker from Pac Pac sure. out in, in uh Portland um helped me think about that uh correctly. <laughs> um yeah. but he we were talking about Thai food. But so you were in LA and you had Filipino food. And we've I've I've really enjoyed over the last like twelve to, to eighteen months talking to folks about or sort of rise of, of Filipino food. What was that? Ex- what was the restaurant you went to, uh, and, and what was that experience it's
2: called, like? Um, yeah, it's called Ma'am, Sir. Um, it's uh, and and I had that, I've had that same experience. That has been, I mean, and again, I I I, I share your <laughs> caution in. You know, it, it is difficult to talk about this. It is silly to call a nation's food trendy per se, uh, but but clearly there's been a moment. Um, that Filipino food has been having, where suddenly you, you, you're you're seeing it um, all over the place, both high and low, and uh, and it's getting a kind of attention that it hasn't before. And and I, I frankly had not um, really gotten that before um, going to this place, and that's probably my fault to some extent. But I um, uh, but this place is fantastic. It's got first of all it's as hallucinogenic, as you can imagine, uh, you know, in terms of the, the you know it's this wild place with again plants dripping down from the ceiling and, and all the kind of accoutrements that i was trying to describe earlier um and um uh but the the it was the first time i kind of really got it was, it was just all tight and delicious and spicy and really meaty and and livery um and uh i, I think about it all the time still i think it says you should um yeah um get get there next time you're out there
0: yeah, and 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 uh, you know, I'm sort of comparing that and your description of that experience with a place in Manhattan where you did, uh, you, where you had the shabu shabu. What was that experience?
2: That's, you know, shabu shabu is 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 um is this you know usually you do it yourself you 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 have a hot pot of water and you you cook meat and it. it's really not that elevated uh, cuisine, right? People don't really talk about it like that. And this is this, this big, wonderful um, woman named, um, oh, pardon me, names go right through me and I'm, I'm really bad about it. Uh, and her name is Amiko Okano and, um, and it's a eight-seat omakase place, the kind of setup you would imagine for really high-end sushi. And, um, and she goes around, you know, there's three women working back there and she's in the lead and, and she... Sort of moves from station to station, and kind of perfectly cooking each of these very, very thin pieces of of, of, um, of wagyu beef, um, mm. and it's just this extremely graceful, um, precise, nurturing, lovely, lovely experience um, in, in a kind of unexpected, in an unexpected way, um, and uh, I, you know I, it's another place I think about all the time. It's very nurturing. Again, it was especially if it's cold out and you're in there and there's all this beautiful broth and, and it's, it's just a terrific, uh, a terrific place.
0: I'm interested in, uh, a couple of omissions. There was no, uh, in, in either the story about the, the, the best new restaurants or the sort of accompanying piece, um, eight mind blowing new dishes that you tried this year. Um, there was no, representation from either new orleans your current uh, hometown or washington dc my, my hometown is that a function of just the sheer um depth and breadth of uh food opportunities here in the united states these days or were you just not that blown away by anything in dc or new orleans um you don't know, count richmond i count
2: richmond a little bit i um it, as DC. The, I, Richmond yeah, would it, not it, like Richmond it, would it, not
0: like us counting them as DC. I could. No, tell. <laughs> I'm sure not.
2: That's the easier answer, which is I just didn't find the thing I, that blew me away this year. I, I had a lovely a couple of lovely meals in DC um, I, last year. I had included Maidan, um,
0: yeah.
2: and uh, and I think. Um, you know some of the stuff I think I included some of the stuff from the, the new line hotel last year in in one of the dishes roundups um, and I had some terrific uh, meals there but nothing that rose quite to the level of, of you know it's a huge country I eat 120 places or something like that you know and which is only scratching the surface already and it just didn't just simply didn't make the cut this year um, I, I feel more guilty and weird about New Orleans because I I am I think harder uh, on on Restaurants here that I am um, in the rest of the, the, this, the, the country um, because of familiarity, because I, I kind of have uh, expect a lot from them. And, and so I was a little disappointed that nothing quite rose to that level here this year. But I also am worried that I'm being a um, a dick about it. Um, and uh, um, <laughs> well, I do want to you know, I mean, a, there are some places that I would absolutely not to. Uh, there's a place called St. Germain. That I like very much. Um, that uh, that that these three guys open near my house on Saint Claude Avenue, and they, it's a little scruffy and a little um, kind of in process, but they do wildly ambitious kind of French food there that I think you should uh, is worth knowing about. I and mean, there's a handful of places that I that I really like, but I had trouble being able to measure them up this year against um, against the best in the country. Well,
0: and to be fair. You uh, do have currently your, uh, your your testament to the underrated red sauce culture in New Orleans oh, yeah. by way of, of a piece that you wrote for Bon Appetit. Bon Appetit did a very deep and comprehensive dive uh, into like the you know um, American Italian red sauce culture and got a lot of great um, writers and perspectives from across the country to participate. And I I was taken with your um, story, which was basically like as a, as a Brooklyn transplant in New Orleans, it wasn't until you got to New Orleans that you came to appreciate what you'd left behind in terms of that um, uh, Italian red sauce tradition in, in Brooklyn. Right.
2: Yeah. 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 I grew up in deep Brooklyn and Darcy, uh, you know, which is like deep in the heart of Italian Brooklyn and um you know i've gotten ideas and pretensions over the years about what real italian food was you know as you do and 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 uh, you know when I, I sort of rediscovered it that here i've eaten more spaghetti and meatballs in new orleans um you know in the eight years i've been here nine years that i've been here than i did in the previous 38 in new york um <laughs> uh we have and it's not i'm not alone it, i i the the degree to which italian food is responsible for what we think of as new orleans food is you know hugely overlooked and French influence is hugely over overstated usually, um, but it's one of the things that I was surprised by, and I think most people would be surprised by that. Neighborhood restaurants do you know Parmesan and meatballs, and uh, it's a massive part of this, particularly Sicilian food is a massive part of, of what we think of as as New Orleans cuisine, um, and uh, so uh, yeah, so I eat a, I eat a lot of uh, yeah just spaghetti with a bright red sauce and giant meatballs here. Yeah.
0: So, if there's a single best representation of that in New Orleans, because I, I my mind when I think oh. of New Orleans, I'm just checking off the classics that I want to go, tr- you know, see what's going on there. I'm only making to New Orleans like once every five years or so. What's like a single best? I want to include one, um, you know, representation of this Italian thing that has been overlooked. Where, where am I going in New Orleans? Oh
2: man, I mean, the best place to go, honestly, is go out across the river drive about a half hour into the dark to this little shack called Mosca's, which has oh. got a whole long history um, of, uh, you know, supposed mobsters going there. And, and, and not that every Italian restaurant has to always be, have a mobster reference, but this one <laughs> does. And it's um, a huge place of, of like, of, you, know, you know, they have chicken a la grande and meatballs and spaghetti. and um, It's it's the best. And it's the greatest experience too, because you're really getting out there. Uh, if you don't want to drive a whole ways, I mean, I, the, 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 my meatball and spaghetti place is called Mandina's, and it's, it's you know closer to town, and uh, and I'd say you can go there. But if, if you really want to do it up, you got to go to Muscles.
0: So there we go. Two bonus. You know, I don't think the the culinary comrades out there were anticipating that that in addition to the <laughs> the great story on the list we get, we're going to give out a couple of Italian places in in New Orleans. Brett Martin, you and I failed at a resolution that we uh uh, agreed to last year which was to make sure that we had a meal together uh in the in the run-up to this year's iteration i am not going to accept us uh repeating that failure i'm looking forward i don't know where we will be whether it'll be new york or new orleans or washington dc or some other exotic destination maybe we can get uh our buddy Adam Rappaport, and Bon Appetit magazine to to help produce this this great convening of of, of the, the, bellies. The
2: yes, I yes. I think that's a good idea. Let's get him to, to do that. But yeah, one place or the other. Come on down. When's the last time? Where are you in your five year cycle? When you I'm am I'm,
0: I'm, I'm overdue. The last time was 2013, and here we are at the beginning of 2019. I haven't been, so let's do it.
2: Well, make it happen.
0: Yeah, this is good. We'll grab Rapo and his his corporate card. Uh, thank you. Bon <laughs> appetit, and then uh, we'll have a great time. We'll eat a couple good meals. We'll we'll take some some pictures because that's what you do when you eat. Now, um, anyway, sure. by the way, the pictures in at least online that accompany the story are incredible, and I I, yeah. I can't overstate to folks that I I my own self spent a half hour just looking at the pictures. We didn't we didn't really go through the the story on on the mind blowing eats. But the fish and chips in Madison, uh, Wisconsin, yeah. are, are I, I I stared at it for 10 minutes.
2: Yeah, that's a place called Mint Mark that uh, does like a Friday fish fry. And, yeah, they did a beautiful job with that. The pictures are great. They're really super dynamic. And they, I think they, everybody did a great job. I had nothing to do with any of that. But they did a beautiful <laughs>
0: job. Well, look, uh, in, the, in the current May issue of GQ Magazine or online at GQ.com, Brett Martin, the, the best new restaurants in America 2019, and eight mind blowing dishes that go along with it. Thanks for coming on, my dude. Always love talking to you.
2: Yeah, same here. Anytime
0: at all. All right, hungry homies, there we go. We are back next week with another episode of House of Carbs. In the meantime, hit us on the Instagram at the House of Carbs. I'm always dying to see pasta. You can't send me enough uh, examples of pasta. And I'm in this this crazy red sauce bender because of that Bon Appetit piece. And in particular, uh, Brett Martin's uh, um, beautiful uh, uh, recitation of of the glories that are there. So hit us with your favorite red sauce pasta dish on at the House of Carbs Instagram. We're going to be doing a lot more belly sourcing this summer, my friends. Until next week, let's stay hungry out there.